Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. Today, I want to talk about an issue that every one of us in this room um, are, are going to identify with. And I've called the message, The Other Me, The Other Me. And we, I'm still hearing music coming through the sound system, guys, so I don't know if there's what's going on there, but I feel like uh, if it's good music, I don't mind, but if it's, you know. Um, so everyone today looking around, y- y'all look good. Turn to someone and say, you look good today. You look good. You're all cleaned up. You're all dressed up as much as you're going to get dressed up to come to the harbor. You look good. And, uh, but, the, the, but the reality is this. Behind every smiling face in this room today, there's a story of struggle. There's a story of heartache. There's a story of despair, um, defeat in some cases, victory sometimes, but cowardice in other times, bravery, fear, courage. Does that about sum it up what we all go through? Absolutely. And, and so if we could see our souls, we probably would look more like a band of soldiers coming out of a jungle after a, a, a war. And, and, you know, we're, we're holding each other up. We're, we're moving along, and, and we're just going to get through it. We're going to get over the, the finish line. And, and the reality is, is that every one of us go through times where we, and when I say go through times just about every day, where we are wrestling with something inside of us, where we are having the choice to do the right thing or to do the wrong thing. And people come to me all the time and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm really struggling. And I try to say, you know what? You're in good company. You're in in good company. One of the greatest Christians that ever lived was the Apostle Paul, and he struggled, and he was very honest about it. And so I want to talk about that today. There are two chapters in the book of Romans that are amazing. So you have chapter 7, where Paul is going to identify where the source of the struggle is coming from. And he's very honest. He's very uh, transparent about his struggles, about how he wrestles and he, he doesn't understand himself. But then there's chapter 8 that talks about, you know, our future glory in God and that we're more than conquerors in, in him and there's life through the Spirit. But you can't get to chapter 8 without first walking through and acknowledging chapter 7. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at the source of the conflict that all of us wrestle with, just like Paul. And Paul is going to be the one who explains it all to us. So Romans 7, we're going to start in verse 8. We're going to read a lot of scripture today. So, um, you know, we're just, just put your seatbelts on. We're going to get through this. And we're going to find out the source of the struggle because the struggle is real. How many say the struggle is real? Right? Okay. So let's check this out. It was through God's commandment that sin was awakened in me and built its base of operation within me to stir up every kind of wrong desire. For in the absence of the law, sin hides dormant. So Paul is making an argument about the Old Testament law. And what he's saying is um, the, the law is our, was the moral compass and it kind of showed us how to do right versus wrong. When you have something to contrast it to, sin now kind of raises up. It's, it's like that old illustration where if you tell a kid, don't touch the cookie jar, what are they going to want to do? Right? It, it, before that, you didn't have to say anything. But now that you said it, there's something in you that's like, well, could I really do that and not get caught? Right? So that's what Paul's saying is that in light of the law, now there's this thing within me that's kind of raising itself up against 
me, and, and, and I don't understand what's going on. So he says, once I lived without a clear understanding of the law, but when I heard God's commandments, sin sprang to life and brought with it a death sentence. The commandment that was intended to bring life brought me death instead. Since uh, sin, by means of the commandment, built a base of operation within me to overpower me and put me to death. Because we know the scripture says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. So we know that, that when sin is in the picture, it always leads to death. Death of relationships. Death of things in your life. De- death of it, it, it always leads down a bad road. Let's go to the next verse. So did something meant to be good become death to me? Certainly not. It was not the law, but sin unmasked that produced my spiritual death. The sacred commandment merely uncovered the evil of sin so that it could be seen for what it is. So God said, this is the way I want you to walk. And now it made sense because now you see the other side of it, which would be sin. I'm a mystery to myself, he said. Have you ever said that about yourself? I don't understand myself. I don't understand why I do what I do, why I think the way I think. Have you ever thought that? He says, I'm a mystery to myself, for I want to do what is right, but end up doing what my moral instincts condemn. And if my behavior is not in line with my desire, my conscience still confirms the excellence of the law. And now I realize that it is no longer my true self doing it, but the unwelcome intruder of sin in my humanity. For I know that nothing good lives within the flesh of my fallen humanity. The longings to do what is right are within me, but willpower is not enough to accomplish it. Can you identify with any of this? My lofty desires do, uh, to do what is good are dashed when I do the things I want to avoid. So if my behavior contradicts my desires to do good, This is so good here. I must conclude that it's not my true identity doing it, but the unwelcome intruder of sin hindering me from being who I really am. So good. Through my experience of this principle, I discover that even when I want to do good, evil is ready to sabotage me. Truly, deep within my true identity, I love to do what pleases God. But I discern another power operating in my humanity waging a war against the moral principles of my conscience and bringing me into a captivity as a prisoner of the law of sin, this unwelcome intruder in my humanity. What an agonizing situation I'm in, he said. So who has the power to rescue this miserable man from the unwelcome intruder of sin and death? He says, I'm glad you asked that. I give all my thanks to God. For his mighty power has finally provided a way out through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. So if left to myself, the flesh is aligned with the law of sin. But now my renewed mind is fixed on and submitted to God's righteous principles. So, man, you know, Paul's the greatest Christian that ever lived. And he's saying, I don't get it. I don't understand why I'm struggling so much. I don't understand why I do the things I do. He says, but I realize it's no longer my true self but this unwelcome intruder of sin in my humanity. In verse 20, and he's talking about this thing called sin living in him, he says, so if my behavior contradicts my desires to do good, I must conclude that it's not my true identity doing it, but this unwelcome intruder. So what I want to focus on today, not so much the sins that you and I commit 
on a daily basis. That's part of it. But I want to go deeper than that. I want to talk about this thing this thing called our sin nature it, that lives in us. It's, it's not something that you had anything to do with. You were born with it. You were born into it. That's why we needed a Savior. That's why we needed a, a, a Redeemer that, that could present himself holy, spotless, and blameless to redeem us and to, to save us from our sins. It, it, it's, it's, the, it's dealing with that sin nature that is in all of us. It's that thing that, and I've said this a thousand times, when you have a beautiful perfect baby it's that thing that you have to tell that baby no at first you 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 have to you have to start off by teaching that baby no to things because if you don't do that that baby will become undisciplined and be unruly and be a brat and be probably a serial killer when they grow up why do you have to teach a perfect baby no at first no, don't do that. Don't touch that. Don't do that. Because there's that thing inside that perfect baby that's wanting to do the wrong thing, just like it is with you and I. And so it's, it's this thing in us. I'm just going to call it sin. It's the sin nature that is living down within us. A lot of us get the wrong idea. We, we tend to picture when we are under temptation, when we're under spiritual attack, we tend to think that everything is coming at us externally. But that's not what Scripture teaches Scripture teaches us that lust, when it, is, when it is in full bloom, is a result of something that's down within you. That's why, that's why we are to present our bodies as living sacrifices to the Lord. That's why we are told to crucify certain things in our life. It's not that we're, we're praying about these external things. We're praying about these internal things. Like there's something deep down within me that's waging war against the good things of God in my life. So all of us have this unwelcome intruder living in our humanity. And the reality is this, is as long as you're in your physical body, as long as you're on this side of heaven, you're going to have to wage war against that thing every day of your life. You're never going to get to a place where you say, you know what, the struggle's over, I'm good. You're never going to get there. In fact, the more you grow in God, in your relationship with God, the more you grow in Him, you're, you're going to sin less Obviously you are because you don't want to do anything that's going to uh, grieve him. Or I mean, you're, you're going to make you're going to be intentional. You're, you're going to try to live a better life. Obviously, but you're always going to have the struggle. And so some of you have been so accustomed to living in a in a cycle of shame, guilt. Um, you, 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 you look at yourself like you, you, you look around a, a crowd like this and you're like, yeah, look at all these super Christians. I'm such a hypocrite. If they only knew the other me. Well, we all have the other me. We all do. And it's something that we need to, to, to be aware of so that we can fight it with the weapons that God has given us. And so... Um, this struggle that we that you and I go through um, is is real, and we're going to talk about it. So, if you look at this verse that we just read, these these scripture verses in in Romans seven, Paul identifies three different areas of struggle that he points out that you and I are going to totally connect with. Number one, for every one of us, um, the struggle to live up to what you know you ought to be. That's what Paul said right out of the gate in verse 15. He said, I'm a mystery to myself. You know what he was really saying? I know what I should be, and I know that I'm not there. I know that, that I am absolutely a failure when it comes to what I ought to be. 
That's an amazing confession. What Paul is saying is true for all of us is that, that, you know, there's times that we just do stupid things. Someone ever asked you, why'd you say that? You go, I don't know why I said that. Why'd you do that? I don't know why I did that. Although almost every Sunday on the way home, why did you say that? Kim says to me, I don't know why I said it. It was the anointing. That's the only thing I can figure. You can only blame it on that so many times. You're in good company. Because Paul said, I don't get it either. I don't get why I do the things I do. He said, my lofty desires to do what is good are dashed when I do the things I want to avoid. So he's laying open his soul to us saying, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, Paul was responsible for the gospel being preached and churches being planted all over the Gentile world. God was using him in, a, in an unbelievable way. But he's saying, I struggle the most. There's something inside of me that I'm, it's almost like there's two people inside of me. There's two voices in my head all the time. Can you relate to any of that? So there was a, a, a Scottish theologian from the last century by the name of William Barclay, and in his commentary, he wrote about this portion of Scripture, and he called this dilemma the human situation. And this is what he wrote over 100 years ago. You would have thought he wrote it today. He said, this is truly the human situation. We know the good, but we don't do it. We know what's wrong, and we fight against it, and then we do it anyway. We say, I will, and then we don't. We say, I won't, and then we do. We make a promise, and then we break it. We set a goal, and we don't go after it. We say, I'll never do that again, and we do it. We get on our knees and say, oh, God, I'll never do that again, and then the next day we do it again. This is truly the human experience for all of us. Knowing and doing are two different things. You can know the right thing, and you can still do the wrong thing. That leads me to make this obvious point. Knowledge will never save anyone. Knowledge alone will not save us. There must be something else, something deeper working within us. And that leads me to this conclusion, he said. Even if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're not as good as you think you are. You're worse than you'd like to admit. That's the first struggle, the struggle to live up to what you know you ought to be. So good. So if the Apostle Paul struggled with that, you and I are going to struggle with that. The second thing that Paul uh, told us about his struggles is the struggle to come to grips with repeated personal failure. Oh, man, this hits home for all of us. He said, for I know that nothing good lives within the flesh of my fallen humanity. And he goes into this argument of just, it just seems like constantly he's failing. Constantly he's dropping the ball. This is the thing. Just because you're a Christian doesn't make you immune to the temptation and, and, and the pull of sin in your life because it's in there. It's in there. And it's something that we all have to win and battle with. He said, um, look at what the Word of God says. Romans 3.10 says, There is no one who always does what is right, not even one. We just mentioned Romans 3.23 a minute ago. For we all have sinned and are in need of the glory of God. All of us. For, the, for sin's meager wages is death in Romans 6, but God's lavish gift is eternal life found in your union with Jesus Christ. Wait a minute, stop. It has The victory has something to do with our union with Christ. It's not in our own strength. You are never going to be able to, to win this war in your own strength. It has to be with your union with Jesus. And Jeremiah said this 
about the heart, which is he's talking about the sin nature. He said, the heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful, a puzzle that no one can figure out. But I, God, search the heart and examine the mind. I get to the heart of the human. I get to the root of things. I treat them as they really are, not as they pretend to be. You and I can, can convince ourselves all day long that we're better than we are. But the reality is, is that all of us are fighting this thing inside of us that's pulling us in the opposite direction. All of us. So now that you know where it's coming from, that's half the battle, isn't it? You know, it, it's not, you know, some just get caught up in this whole cycle. Like, I'm, I'm, such, a, I'm such a loser. I'm such a hypocrite. I, I don't deserve to be at church with other Christians. And you, and you pull away, and, and, and you pull away from God because you feel like he's so disappointed in you. Let me just say this. Um, God's not delusioned by your behavior. He's never had any illusions about you in the first place. He loves you. And, and, and so, you know, I know this thing is real because, first of all, I know too many of your stories. <laughs> um, but you want to know the main reason? It's because every day when I look in the mirror, I see someone who's in a constant struggle. I see someone who goes through seasons of failure, goes through seasons of victory. Goes, I, I see someone who constantly, you know, real, I, I can't do this without him. I cannot walk this walk and be what I'm called to be without him. I can't do it. And when I try to do it and I think I'm strong enough, I fail. So you have to face the reality of Romans 7 before you can even begin to experience what God tells us in Romans 8, that, that, that what's coming and what's ahead and, and all of that. It talks about the future glory and, and talks about us being more than conquerors. And you've, you've got to come to grips with it. Let me, let me just give you a practical way to come to grips with repeated personal failure. This is not rocket science. The people who are honest and open about their failures to others. Now, I want to encourage you. You, you can't, you can't uh, share your deepest, darkest secrets with everybody because I would never tell you to do that. But there are people that God has put in your life that are safe, people that are not going to judge you or condemn you, people that are going to spur you on to good things. And that's why we need to be in a group. We need to, be, we need to have relationships with others because this Christian life was never meant to be lived alone. And so there are people in my life that I can call and I can just say, look, it, pray for me. I am, I am struggling this week. I'm having a horrible week. And they will not judge me. And they'll just say, all right, let's pray together. And they'll call me, they'll text me, they'll encourage me. We all need that. It's just a practical way to get through that. The third area that Paul struggled with is the struggle to admit the true nature of the war within. I believe that's half the battle. He said, through my experience of this principle, I discover that even when I want to do good, evil is ready to sabotage me. And he, and he, he just... He just takes it to another level here where he owns up to this intense war, this intense struggle that's within him. So he uses uh, the, the phrase that there's a war raging in him or being a, a waging of a war against him. And it's actually a Greek phrase 
that has to do with uh, a typical army formation in that time that Paul lived. And so it has to do with the troops coming out and, and, and lining up for battle for a military campaign. Back in those days, it was hand-to-hand combat. It was, it was like gladiator, man. They, they'd have swords. They'd have, you know, they'd have their shields. It was hand-to-hand combat. So it, it, this is speaking of, of you lining up for battle, the, the troops. And what Paul's saying is that every single day, there's, there's a line of troops of the enemy in your life, in your heart, lining up to do battle against you that day, to pull you down, to destroy you, to discourage you, to pull you away from God. Evil is not just around us, but evil is waging a war inside of us all the time. And so you are going to struggle in this area as long as you're in your physical body. But I'm glad there's not a period after um, uh, Romans 7, there's a comma. Because Paul doesn't leave us hanging like you're just going to struggle, get over it, deal with it, amen, over it. That's not what he says. He recognizes where it's coming from, that it's coming from within. It's coming from this thing inside of me. And, 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 and there's a pull between the flesh and the Holy Spirit. But the Bible talks a lot about how we need to think about things. In Romans, uh, Romans um, 12, 1 and 2 says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, and, and so there's a lot of talk in Scripture that gives us idea that we need to think differently. We, need to, we, we, we are given a whole list of the, the, the works of the flesh, which leads to death. We're giving a whole list in Galatians 5 of the fruits of the Holy Spirit that lead to life. It's, it's all in how we approach it. I know where my enemy's at. I know what's going on in my heart. I know that there's two of me. I know that there's another side of me that you don't know, but God knows, and that I have to constantly be intentional to 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 dominate that thing or it will dominate me how do i dominate it i don't do it in the flesh i don't do it in my own strength i do it by my union with jesus christ the closer i draw to him the more sinful i realize that i am i I realize how much i need him i can't do this in my own strength and god wants your struggle to drive you into the arms of jesus did you know that I believe God allows us to struggle with this, with this sin thing, because in our struggle, you'll be stripped of your self-reliance and your self-righteousness, and you begin to trust in God and God alone. Does the fact that you struggle make you a failure? No. Does the fact that, uh, that you struggle make you a bad person? No. Does it make you a loser? No. Does it make you a substandard Christian? No. You know the fact that you struggle, you know what it makes you? It makes you a great candidate for his grace. That's what it makes you. You are an excellent candidate for the grace of God. The, the, the reality is, is that God has declared us not guilty in Christ. That, that, that we are, the Bible says, justified, just as though we never sinned. What a promise we have in the arms of Jesus. That I, I recognize now where, where it comes from, where the battle is. It's not so much external attacks as much as it's that thing within me and that I have to crucify it every single day. I can only do that based on my union with Jesus. Where I get before him and just be real and say, God, I'm struggling with this thing. I need your help. Help me today. And he will give me all I need. The Bible says he gives us everything we need to live a life of godliness. 
God can God can help you and 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 uh, you know what I'm telling you I'm telling you what the more I struggle the more I want to run into the arms of Jesus and there's going to be victories and there's going to be failures but I'm going to stick with him and I'm going to just be laid bare before him if our uh, band could come out and I'm going to ask our our host to come we're going to pass out the communion elements today and um, I want to just end today with a little bit of chapter eight because. It really is a great bookend to this. It doesn't leave us in the struggle, but it gives us hope in where we would go to have victory in the struggle. And so Romans 8, um, we're going to start in verse 28. Let me just read a few verses for you while we're passing out these communion elements. Paul said this, In light of his struggle, in light of his failure, in light of all the things, he said, So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his design purpose. For he knew all about us before we were born, and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. And having determined our destiny ahead of time, he called us to himself and transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone he called. And those who possess his perfect righteousness, he co-glorified with his son. So what does all this mean? If God is determined to stand with us, Tell me, who then could ever stand against us? For God has proved his love by giving his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as a sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. Who then would dare to accuse those whom God has chosen in love to be his? God himself is the judge who has issued his final verdict over them not guilty. Who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one, for he gave his life for us. And even more than that, he has conquered death and is now risen, exalted, and enthroned by God at his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us since he is continually praying for our triumph? Okay, just going to pause there for just a moment. This is telling us that Jesus is interceding for you and I all the time. You think you're alone in your struggle? Uh Uh-uh. Who could ever separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love towards us. Troubles, pressures, and problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions, deprivations, dangers, and death threats? No, for they are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love. Even though it is written, all day long we face death threats for your sake, God. We are considered to be nothing more than sheep to be slaughtered. Even in the midst of all these things, he's talking about all the struggles they were going through, we triumph over them all. For God has made us more than conquerors, and his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. 
So now I live with this confidence that there's nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death, life's problems, fallen angels, and dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. And lastly, there is no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love. Which, lavish, which is lavished upon us through the Lord Jesus. Let me tell you something. I hope that you're encouraged today in your soul because um, it's so easy to live in bondage and realize I'm never going to be free. I'm never going to get out of this. I'm never going to be in any different circumstance than I am because I struggle so much. That is a lie from the enemy. You are in Christ Jesus. The victory is yours through him. It's, it's not about you fighting it uh, in, in weapons of flesh. It's about you fighting it in spiritual warfare. It's about uh, developing a prayer life and getting into the presence of God and saying, God, I need you. I need you. I need you in my life. I'm struggling. I'm failing. I'm falling short. I need you to help me today. It's about, I want to encourage you to journal. If you've never journaled, go buy a journal. Uh, just a 99 cent thing and start to write down your struggles and wait and see after a few months when you go back and read the list how many of those struggles God has helped you to have victory in. It's amazing. God is working in your life. Get into his word and say, God, saturate my soul, my heart with your word because his word has the power to break anything that the devil would ever want to do in your life. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step.